Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the suitcase and the scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back once again, as always. Another edition of the suitcase and the scribe. Mike McKenna badly he's playing a little bit hurt today. He's got a little bit of a head cold, so uh, getting it we're out. not going to make too much of that. Louis. I, I blame the pollen. And what honestly, so, I've been so excited since I knew John Scott was coming on this episode with us. And you know what the great thing is? So, John, you, you look like a civilian. You're in Traverse City. Are you actually at like a real job and then you're just taking time away to come and hang out with Mike and I? Or what's, what's going on in Traverse City today? And thank you for coming and hanging out with us. You nailed it, Scott. Yeah, I, um, I actually work engineering here in Traverse City. So I, I do that somewhat full time, you know. I, I think I get here at eight. I leave around two, two thirty. But yeah, I, I take some okay. time off, throw down a podcast with you guys. What more can you ask for? That's great. Well, it, and just before Mike jumps in, can, can you tell us you, you've got so much going on? Father of five daughters. If my no, Scott, you see your guys is re- it's six with one six. more on the way. Oh my wow. god, I missed one. Oh my God. So I'm so, so five with one on the way. Yeah. Again, Mike, he's, he's missing the boat. I got so six and then I got, got another six. one. So do you know, and do you want to know the gender of the seventh that's coming? No, we've never found, we found out for the twins just because I wanted to, but we haven't found out for the other ones. And this one, we're not finding out as well. So she's due the f- July 11th. So coming up pretty quick here. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm Man, I had two I with quit. Two. <laughs> Like, congratulations. Thank uh, you. And well, how many? So what? That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> what, what, are, what are the ages? And are there hockey players in the group? Uh, what is what is the organizational setup? Yeah, most it takes a lot to wrap your head around six, seven kids. Most people, yeah. So uh, my oldest is 10. I have an eight-year-old. I have twins that are six. I have a four. Then I have one that's one and a half. And then so we'll have another one. So we we, we pretty consistent every two years. My wife and I, we meet up and get a hotel room and away we go. But, um, no, no, they skate. They they don't play any organized hockey. They I I honestly don't even want to go down that road just because it takes up so much of my time. And I, I just... I don't want to do the practices just yet. I don't want to be driving them to the rink two, three days a week. It's 
then their sister wants to play and then it's just a whole thing and i'm a slave to the hockey rink every single day which i i, I did and i don't want to do it again so yeah. we did enough of that i know yeah. the feeling like so i i've got two daughters one is six and one's almost nine and the nine-year-old uh has played organized for the last two years and she's going to be in 10 new hockey this year so I coached during the winter because it, it kind of felt like a duty, honestly, to give back, really. You know, like these are kids that are going to get a lot more out of it having somebody coach them who's played at a pretty high level compared to somebody's dad who can't hardly skate. So I thought, okay, I'll do this. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But I got to spring league this year and I went, I really don't want to coach. I just want to watch my kid play, Yeah, you know? And, and then I watched some of these parents in the stands and I think, oh man, these the, people are so overboard yelling out orders from the stands, giving it to their kids. And it's so different from what I grew up with, man. And I can totally appreciate where you're headed with that. Um, Like one of the things for me that was important was my kids being able to remember me playing. So, I mean, I'm guessing though, with your kids, you said you have one that's 10, right. And kind of on down the list, you know, they must, do they have memories of you playing? Like how do they relate daddy as a hockey player compared to an engineer today? Well, it's funny. They the only thing they remember is me just winning the car at the All Star Game, carrying around a trophy. I I did a couple charity events right afterwards where I we would always win the championships and they would come and watch. But that's the only thing they equate to me with hockey. So every time I go out and play, because I play in a men's league, they're like, are you gonna like bring home a trophy today? How does that work? <laughs> I'm like, no, that was a very rare instance. But uh, you know, I, I think for my four youngest, they don't really know my hockey career at all, which is good. So it's kind of you get the best of both worlds where two kids know me as John and they, you know, as a hockey player, this and that. And the other kids know me as just engineer dad going to work every day. So uh, we got I want to ask about the movie, which which is still in the works. But you mentioned Mensley. Now, I know like Mike does. Mike's busy. He's on the ice. You know, you with he's coaching some and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What when you go to play? men's league hockey in Traverse city. What's that like for you? How do people treat you? What's what's that? How does that fit into your life? It's just once at once a week, Sunday nights. And it's great. I've been doing it for the last three, four years. And I honestly just go out. We, we play the game and we get a couple cases of beers and we just shoot the breeze after the game. And it's just a blast. And yes, sure. On the ice, you get some hot dogs who just want to come at me. And it's like, Oh, this is, you know, this guy was in the NHL. Let's show him up. He's not that good. I get the odd guy chirping me, you know, tempers flare. Sometimes I, I lost my cool a couple times last season. I'm not proud to say, but all in all, it's a good experience, but you know, it is hockey and sometimes things happen, but uh, it's, it's so fun. Mike, you might relate to this. I, I have so much fun just playing in men's league. There are times when I'm sitting there, I'm like, gosh, this is so fun. Because when you're in the professional ranks, it loses its luster so fast and it becomes a job and you, you stress out about it so much, you, you forget that you're actually playing a game. And then when you get to kind of step away from that and you're just playing with your buddies at the local rink on 8 p.m. on a Sunday night, you're like, gosh, this is so fun. You're just skating yeah. up and down the ice and you can, you know, crack a beer on the bench if you want to, or just, and then it is competitive, but it is like, it's a game. And so I, I did miss that. So I tell the guys on my team now, I'm like, gosh, you guys, I'm having more fun than I did, you know, half the years I played in the NHL. And it's the truth. It's pure and there's no pressure. Yeah. And, you know, being an old goalie, I can't play goalie in men's league. So I go and skate out and it's like a whole different sport for me. I actually would play forward during the summertime with my dad's group, which is supposed to be 35 and up. And, you know, when I was younger, I still kind of got grandfathered in, but 
my dad's 72 and I still get to play hockey with him. And that's amazing, man. Like it, it's something that you, you lose touch of that when you're playing pro because it's just so intense. Like every single day feels like your job's on the line. And it's not like that at beer league. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself when I don't feel like I'm playing well, but yeah. I can walk out of the rink and be totally fine because I know I'm still going to be okay and do my work that day. Uh, it's just got a different dynamic. I'm, I'm wondering if you, you know, when we were kind of looking and talking beforehand, my first college hockey game was actually at Michigan tech where you went yeah. to school. In yeah, 2005. Yeah, because yeah. you were with St. Lawrence, right? I was. That was I was. The first I, game. I played against you. Yeah, I think that year. That was my senior season. I think you came to town. I believe we swept you. If I if I don't remember. Oh yeah. Everything we were, was, we were not good, but we beat you. It was a really strange time because, um, like Scott, the, we'll give you some background on it. I mean, this was only maybe a month after 9/11. Yeah. So our coaches were. We weren't going to fly. We drove to Lake State. I think the week or two weeks before. Then we drove to Houghton, Michigan the next week from St. Lawrence. And it was just an odyssey. And we got waxed like <laughs> bad. And it, I remember 40 something shots. I'm thinking, wow, this is college hockey. Um, but then we like, dude, we've never had a conversation and we've kind of crossed paths at different times, even at the end of your career. Uh, I can remember being in St. John's at, I think, Greensleeves at a bar with you and watching you with your teammates there and how strange things were at that time. Is that right? I mean, yeah. It's, isn't it crazy to think though, that, you know, like two bums like us had kind of kicked around for a long time. We had all these interactions without having a conversation. And, and doesn't this kind of speak to what hockey's like, where you run into somebody that you've shared these experiences and you finally get the chance to talk about it. Like it happens to me all the time. I'm wondering if you've had similar experiences like that. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you say that because I have the experience that someone's like, hey, I, I played against you, you know, this time, like, because I have the worst memory. And so someone will come up to me like, hey, we were teammates for like uh, three months and this team. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Or this and that. So like we could have had a beer and shared a meal at, at Greensleeves and I would have no idea that we did. I, my wife kills me all the time for this because we got so many fights because of this, because we'll meet people. We'll go back and see people and we'll like um, be talking to somebody and I'm like, Oh, like a Brian Campbell from the Hawks. I saw him, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever. I'm like, Oh, do you remember in Chicago, we went to that one bar and we were out to 1 AM and this is that my wife's staring at me like, what? I don't, I don't remember. I'm like, I don't remember. I don't remember anything that happened at all, but getting back to your point, hockey is such a small close knit community where you can connect to anybody at any, any given time. It's like, Oh, Mike McKenna. Yeah. Well, I played him here and I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy and everybody is so connected. It's so cool that we're like, I hate everybody I play against, but then you step off the ice and you go to green sleeves and you share a pint together. And it's like, this guy's yeah. actually pretty cool. It, it is a, it's a little family, Scott. It really is. Yeah. I, I, I feel as somebody who's covered it for a long time now, I see, I could get my press passes out, but it wouldn't be as impressive as Mike's sweaters and his goalie mask. But <laughs> so, but I want, I'm curious because, and we chatted a little bit before we started the tape, but you, you, you have a, a movie project that has been ongoing um, since the end. And I, I, I will tell you this, I, I, not to sound like Eddie Haskell, but I covered the all-star game in Nashville, still the greatest all-star event of all time. Still one of my greatest memories watching you score the MVP, like absolutely off the charts, just in Nashville. Well, what can you say about Nashville? But yeah, where what's where are you at with this project? And, and what's that been like for you and your family 
to to go through the process of of committing you, your story to that, something that millions of people possibly could consume. What's that whole process been like? Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny you bring that up. I was literally having a conversation with my wife last night. We got we got the most recent script sent to us last night because they're. They're literally going to start filming here in a few months, I think. So they're getting very close. And the the writer, you probably know him, Scott, it's Mitch Album. Yep. So he wrote like this is the 10th version. It's the second polished version. And I'm sitting here reading it. I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, we're going to hate this. Like, we're going to hate this because it's so weird that we know the story and then we're going to go watch it. And it's not going to be true. Like, to a letter to the T they're going to have to have some, you know, liberties here and there to make it more interesting. And I'm just going to sit there and critique the whole thing and go, I, I didn't do that. That I, that's not how I skate. That's not how I, you know, I did that play or this and that because I'm reading the script and it's great. It's really good. It's really, you know, it, it stays true to the story as much as you can, but it's just like, ah, so anyways, to the whole movie, it's a slow process where, you know, someone buys your life rights and then they write a script and they shop it around and this and that. And, that's went on for a long time. And I pretty much checked out. They have to re-up your rights every 18 months where they send you a check. And that's basically all I hear about it. So every like 16 months or said, Hey, um, you know, your, your rights are up. We want to re-up you. I'm like, sounds good. Send me the big fat check and I'll see you in 18 months. And that's how it's gone for five, six years until this most recent time, Disney bought the rights. And so Disney owns them now. And that was a big turn of events where they, somehow got their hands on the script they wanted to make the movie and they're like let's go we're gonna dump a bunch of money in this and we're gonna make the movie but then i start thinking well do i want disney to make the movie who knows what disney's gonna do to it they've been in the you know in the media lately with all their stuff their agenda and i'm fairly conservative and so i'm like do i want them making this movie and then i i talked to mitch about it we're gonna have complete control of the script so we're moving forward with them and uh, it's going to start rolling, Scott. So I think by the end of 12 months from now, they should be done filming and then they have to edit and all that stuff. And I, I stay out of it as much as I can. So, But I do want NHL guys in there, which will be fun. So I'm going to tag everybody to be in it. I, I want Gary Bettman to be in it. I want him to play himself. I want you know all the guys who are at the All-Star game to play themselves. Like Patrick Kane's got lines in the movie. Berenzi's got lines in the movie. Like I want all those guys to be a part of it if it's possible. Yeah. So uh yeah, it's it's neat that I kind of stepped away for five years and now I'm doing this. And literally yesterday, Mitch sent me the final script and he's like, this is it. What do you think? So it's kind of cool. Perfect timing. That's amazing. Like I, I think about that whole year and I, I was in Arizona's organization the previous year and frankly got jerked around a whole lot there, like playing the best mm-hmm. hockey of my life and was not going to get games because I wasn't their prospect and just all kinds of weird things kept going on. And they had Louis Deming and Mike Smith, right? And then... Yeah. And, that's, and yeah, I was in Portland, Maine with Louie and, yep. um, you know, I, I, I don't really even care to go down that road again. The bottom line is just, I saw what was unfolding with you and I went, yeah, that's Arizona right now. Like that's where that team is at. And it was tough to watch, but then to see the smile on your face at the all-star game, you know, and to really get to enjoy it was, was really cool. And I was happy it played out <laughs> like that. Um, and I did, I want to kind of flip back here to, even talking about college, like you're an engineer now, man. Like this is not easy for people who don't understand. Like you go to college to play hockey. Engineering's in the back of your mind that you'd probably never do that as a hockey player. I wanted to. And in the first week of physics class, the dream was dead. I couldn't do it. Okay. So, and I know you correct me if I'm wrong, but you did not get your degree um, on time at school. You went and finished it later. 
Is that yep. correct? Yeah. So, so I was playing for the wild taking classes in the summer. So I was going to classes as an NHL player, which was so bizarre, but yeah, it took a, th- I think three or four more years to get my degree. Yeah. So like, when you think about that and post-career, you obviously thought, man, this is important. I'm going to utilize this. I'm not going to be an NHL player forever. And the greater point that I'm getting at here is, can you imagine a world where you have kids that end up on the ra- on the route towards professional hockey and they have to choose between major junior or college? Like the way things are now, almost all of us, don't you think, are going to start trying to funnel our kids towards college if possible? for what that allows and how good it is. Like, dude, when we were playing college, it was okay, but it, I don't think it's at the level that it's at now. It, has no, that absolutely not, not. Yeah. Well, I think the perception of college has changed drastically. Yeah. I think we were the tip of the spear, so to speak, our, our generation, because I got to play against the Zach Parise's, the Johnny Taves, the, all these guys who just kind of changed how people think about the, the NCAA game. So it, it is nice to see the, the, you know, the Owen powers, these guys getting first overall coming from college. You would have never have gotten that 10 years ago, a guy getting picked first overall from college. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. So it, it is. Unless you were Mike Milbury taking Rick DiPietro first overall. Yeah. And Milbury the only clown. exception. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I think it's the better route just as strictly from a development standpoint, when you're looking at these kids, because they are kids, like they're 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18 years old you throw them in the OHL, the dub, the Q, and it, it, you get just thrust into this adult environment with all these pressures and all these distractions where you can go play college where it's St. Lawrence or Michigan Tech or a bigger school, BU or wherever, you still get to be a kid. You still get to experience what it's like to be on a campus with people your age and just to have a little fun. And you develop your game better because you get four or five days of practice. You play on Friday, Saturday, and that's it. And it's not just hockey, 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 hockey. You still got to build yourself as a human being. You still got to build yourself as a person. And then hockey's there. Hockey's tertiary when you're in college. Like academics is number one. So I fully, I tell everybody, go to university if you get a chance. Because at the end of the day, you and I were lucky we got to play professionally. 90% of the guys, they kick the can for a little bit and then they don't get anything. I I come across plenty of people who are like, oh, you know, I I played in the O for four years and now this and that. Like, well, that sucks. Like, yeah, you played in the O, but now look, you, you don't have a degree. You just kind of still reliving the glory days. So if it's an opportunity, I would say wholeheartedly go get us. Like I had a 50% my first year. I had to, you know, climb my way up to hundred yeah. percent. It was totally worth it. And Michigan tech, when I was there, we were garbage and I still would never, you know, give it up for anything. It was just such a good experience for me. Do you still like, do you run into, I mean, you mentioned that some of the, the guys that you played with or against in the NHL who came to college, but do you, do you have contact with guys from, you know, that you played with? Like, do you run into them and, and they presumably have, you know, real lives doing real jobs too? Like, do you have those kinds of contacts, you know, like since from you- my college days? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I still go back to Michigan Tech quite a bit. I, yeah, I'm a part of that university. My hat here, I have like a clothing line in the campus store. So it, it's a little stuff like that where, I, you know, I really enjoyed my time at Michigan Tech. It was a great school, great engineering school. And yeah, I still keep close to everybody. They're doing their 100th year anniversary this summer. So I'll pop up for that and yeah. just kind of shoot the breeze. Yeah. I think that college to me was a huge moment because I got to develop as a human, like you said. You know, I mean, you show up at 18, 19, you're a kid. And even at like junior hockey is a quagmire, man. I'm looking back on it. Even when I was 16, 
some of the guys that I played with, like, you know, they're 20 years old acting like they're adults. It's just, that's a huge discrepancy, 16 to 20 years old. So I'm, I, I was glad I ended up at college. I think it was good for me. Uh, and it's good for a lot of people, but I think it's just fascinating how you were able to walk directly out of an NHL career into the engineering field, man. Like what, what do you specialize in? Are you mechanical, electrical? What is your current, you know, job duty? I guess it's, it's mechanical. So uh, we have like a little engineering firm here. We do MEP mechanical, electrical plumbing for just commercial buildings. So you give us a building, the shell and we'll, we'll heat it. We'll cool it. We'll put electrical wire everywhere. We'll do the plumbing. It's kind of the redheaded stepchild of the engineering business because everybody needs it, but it's not like crazy exciting. Like you're doing, you know, bridges or whatever you're, you know, designing engines or you're doing machining stuff. So it's simple in a way, but it's also, everybody needs it and it's fun and it keeps me at home in Traverse city. And that's, that's all I really wanted to do was be here with my family and not travel all over the place. And that's why it's uh, and then I'd got my podcast, which is always great. So it just kind of, uh, yeah, it was a no brainer. Yeah. It, it worked out well for me somehow. Do you, do you have moments where you're like, you know, and whether it's when you're back on campus and you, you know, you have a connection to the team, do you ever think, well, maybe I should coaching or, you know, try and get back, you know, scouting, like do any of those things or are you like, it sounds like you have, you completely Zen about how it's gone. I wouldn't, I would not wish coaching on my worst enemy. It sounds terrible. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> it's just like, even my coaching his daughter, it's like, you you have to invest time. And I know playing yeah. the first people at the rink are the coaches. The last people to leave are the coaches. After a game, we would jump on the plane and we'd, you know, have a couple Guinnesses start playing cards. The coaches are watching tape of that game. They're watching tape of the next game. They're game planning. They're trying to figure out the lineup. It sounds exhausting. And so there's not a chance in the world I would ever want to be a coach unless it was like one of those made up coaches like Nick Lidstrom has, you know, with the Red Wings where they, oh, we're, you're going to be the special teams coordinator for this position. It's like, you're not going to do anything, but just travel around and shoot the breeze with the boys. So I would take that job. But yeah, other than that, it's no thanks. I've been there, done that. I'm good with where I'm at. You played almost 300 games in the NHL, games in the minors as well. And you're about six years removed from your finishing your playing career. Like, what is your level of fandom now for the NHL? Would you consider yourself a fan? Would you consider yourself invested? Do you have favorite players? Where do you yeah. fit on that spectrum? I'm a fan. I have to stay in it just because of my show. We do it three days a week, just like you guys. You, you got to stay up with what's going on. But yeah, I think I'm more invested with the guys I played with because I still have, you know, pretty good friends in the league who, who I, I talk to and I, you know, I'm you know friends with, but as far as like rooting for one team, it's hard. And Mike, you know, you play for so many organizations. Yes. You have fond memories like, gosh, I really like playing, you know, with the Hawks. I really like playing with the Sharks, but it, it's hard to root for one team. Like I want to be fans of the Sabres, but they're just so bad and they're so easy to dump <laughs> on, you know? And then it's like, well, I, I would love Arizona because they, you know, they gave me another shot and it's like, but they are just such a bad organization. So you you can't be invested, but I definitely keep up with it. It's fun to watch, but like I'm going for the Dallas Stars just because mm -hmm. I know Joe Pavelski. We're good friends. I, I'm going for the Florida Panthers because Jumbo, you know, like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So Spez in Toronto, man. Like you, you, you root for these guys that you want to get a cup, you know? Yeah, I have rooting interests. So th that kind of sways me a little. Like I, I, I hate the Oilers. 
I've, I was born in Edmonton, but I just don't like some players on that team. So I'm like, I will never root for you. And that's just how it goes. I, I, I'm personally invested in like, whatever, like Ovechkin. I, I, for whatever reason, he's a great guy, but I want him to fail. I, I just don't know why. <laughs> And so I find myself actively rooting against Washington. So and it's just, it is what it is. But yeah, so I definitely watch watch the game. The hockey's good, Mike. It, it's very good yeah. these days. Yeah. Well, so g- given all of those many and varied factors, you know, a week from you know when Mike and I take this next week, we'll be we'll we'll be in it already. Yeah. What's what's the John Scott dream? Matchup, get Final Four or the Stanley Cup Final. What's the John Scott dream? At that, when the dust settles in these playoffs. Well, for me, gosh, the final four would be Colorado, Calgary in the West, which I think is headed in that direction. Yeah. And in the East, like I would love to see Toronto make the final four just because it would be such great hockey. And I don't even care who they would play because they have to get through Florida and Tampa Bay. So it's going to be a juggernaut to get there. So if they matched up versus, I don't know, the Rangers or somebody in original six, but in the finals, Calgary versus Toronto. Yeah. would be incredible. I don't know how much of the country would watch it, but it would just be incredible to me to see two Canadian teams going at it. I, I don't see it happening. If I see Toronto getting bounced in the first round, but yeah. what are you going to do? Say la vie, right? I think Calgary will win the cup. That's my pick so far today. It'll change as we go forward, but gosh, they, they're built for the playoffs, man. Yeah. Can you believe really what the game's at right now? Like we're looking at potentially 10, 1100 point scorers in the NHL. And when I think about, you know, you finished in 2016, like skill development was kind of starting to come in. Like teams hired a guy who might come in once a month, maybe every two months to do some tight turns and put the pucks on net. Like, is it, it's hard for me to believe. I'm wondering if you think the same way to just the level of skill involved and the training involved and how these players are coming out younger and younger, ready to play. Like, isn't it, it's just so different from, when we showed up and you had to play two years in the American league, like you probably had to play three. And now it's like these, these kids are a bust. If they play half a season in the American league, and you're not in the NHL. Yeah. Well, it starts it, when it? you're, it starts when you're six or seven, like that, yeah. that's the difference. Cause when we were six, seven, eight, nine, maybe you'd throw a summer camp in there. Maybe you'd play for a couple weeks in the summer. And even if you did, you were working on your skating, you were working on just the fundamentals. Now the kids are playing year round and they're working on their hands. They're working on their footwork. They're working on like, these moves that I have never done in my life and they're doing them at this young age and then they slowly progress. So it took a while, but now these kids are coming out and it's just incredible. And the game, you know, the way it's being played works for them. You know, there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of hooking. There's not a lot of clutching. There's not a lot of physical play. It's a wide open game. And these guys, they can go from college or the juniors and just immediately make an impact. But yeah, like you said, if you stepped on the ice and you were a rookie and you were coming out of college, you were going to get blasted through the boards your first game. Like, there was no way you were going to <laughs> yeah. be able to keep up. And now they're getting first line minutes and it's just, it's fun to watch. It's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. So it's hard for me as an old guy to be like, ah, you know, it's, it's, I love the way it was when the game is so fun to like Trevor Zegras or these guys. It's just like, if he would have, and I'm not, I will play the old guy here. If he would have did that the first time I would have broke his arm the next time he tried it. And that's the truth. If he, even if it's a great move, he's a skilled player. If he were to try that on me, I would have broke his arm. And that's yeah. just the fact. The fear fact, the fear factor has gone. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love the Calgary Nashville game last night. 
That will be an incredible first round matchup. It's going to be a slobber knocker and I'm going to love every minute of it. And that's exactly the way I think hockey should be played. No inch given and just everybody's bleeding and it's just good hockey up and down the ice. I loved it. (laughs) All right. I'm sure there's work that you need to get done. Um, But before, before we let you go, uh, I want to circle back uh, just to what this, what the movie might look like. And have you, have you got like a Stan Lee, cameo thing written in uh, like is there, will john scott be in the john scott movie in some fashion and can you say who is who may be playing john scott can you say that as a secret or what's the well they they've been going back and forth like i know will arnett was in there because he's canadian he's taller i know mark Wahlberg has shown interest and like who's the guy who does the wolverine um oh, Hugh, uh, Jackman. Hugh jackman he's shown interest in doing oh, you get hugh jackman to play you that bad that's Big thumbs up, man. What but it's all about schedules, right? So it's all about, you know, everything has to match up where we want to film here and the actor has to be available. So that that's beyond my pay grade. And then for as far as a cameo, it's like, you can't exactly hide me in the background, you know? So I'm like, I got a massive <laughs> head. I'm not like just get, hey, who's there's me? And they're like, I'm going to stick out. So we'll see. I would like to fight myself in the movie and get beat up by me. Kind of like glorious. It would be fun, you know, so I'm going to try to work that in where I get to knock myself out. So we'll see, though. I think that would be great to see. Uh, That's great. Well, listen, it honestly, we could go for hours and hours and and it's it's such a treat to catch up, John. And so pleased for you. I feel guilty that I missed, I think, two kids. um, (sighs) I'll get you on the next one, Scott. Don't worry. My guess is that between when we started to record and now, there's another on the way. And that's just God willing. That would be great. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're not stopping at seven. We're going for it. <laughs> Baker's dozen. That's, that's right. <laughs> but thank you for hanging out and, and best of luck with your new edition and with the project and with work and everything. But thanks. And thanks for, for doing this with us. It's been fun. No problem. You guys, thanks for having me. Good luck with everything. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you in the playoffs probably. Like that was so much fun. I, I yeah. you know, that was, it was, it's great. It's such an interesting guy and his story is well made for the movies as it, uh, as it turns out, but, uh, but very cool. And I, I love the part that you guys crossed paths in a bar in St. John's. I was actually in St. John's during nine 11. That was, I was there for a whole week. I was ahead of the Maple Leafs training camp when I was at the national post and, I, I love that town. It's it's incredible. So it's very cool. I've talked about that for a long time. I'd love to go back there in a non-hockey capacity and just be able to really enjoy St. John's and maybe in summer. You know, winter is pretty tough up there yeah. in yeah. Newfoundland, uh, which I've gotten better at saying over the years. But um, that was a that was a strange season. And you know, I had friends on that team in St. John's. They said, "Yeah, John came in and was just awesome, man." You know, and that was a tough scenario that year and he made the most of it. It was really cool to see him power through. And now you've got a movie on the way, but like Scott, how impressive is it that he walked right into being to doing engineering? I mean, this, the only other pro hockey player I could think of that did engineering was Joey Juno at RPI. He's literally the only other one I know that like made it out into the NHL that did that. I mean, that's almost like doing pre-med dude. Like that doesn't happen, man. That's really hard. <laughs> you see, like you, I've run, you know, I am sure you have to, you run into people who maybe they've gone into finance or, you know, but this is like, that's real. I, and I love that, you know, he's in his office. He's 
you know, when he's, he's got, got the T square us, out, man, he's ready to do drawings. Like he's, he's got stuff to do that matters. So no, it's, it's super impressive. Uh, all right. Listen, this is, we're down to it. Every, we are so close now, Mike, after last night's activity, one, one spot, technically left open and, and John mentioned his affection for Joe Pavelski and Dallas stars. I mean, that no way Dallas doesn't sew up that final spot in the West. Right. I mean, it's, it's, we're there this close. They need one point or Vegas. I mean, Vegas has to win both games and Vegas is playing Chicago. Uh, as we tape this, it'll be tonight on Wednesday in a back-to-back and Scott, that's not an easy travel going from Dallas to Chicago, back-to-back two and a half hour flight, get in late. That's a, that's a tall order for Vegas tonight. Um, and then you look at, at Dallas's schedule. I mean, they're facing Arizona and Anaheim, which aren't, I mean, they're not strong teams, both won last night, but like Dallas should be in. Okay. They need one point or Vegas just has to lose one point. It should happen. Um, but I've just been impressed with the resiliency of Dallas all year. They ha- they've largely relied on one and a half lines. I know everybody looks towards Pavelski, Hints, and Robertson, and they are the driver of that club. Yeah. But people forget that Ben and Sagan have had a great second half to the year. Both of them have. You know, Sagan, I think, was going into last night's game, 32 points in 39 games, and, and yeah. Ben had been there as well. And I'll tell you what, when you watch that team play, if there was a market for Jamie Ben which there won't be because his contract is really, really big. big. If his contract was six and a half or $7 million a year, there'd be 31 teams in that league lining up to take his services. Yeah. Cause he plays hard. He always has. And I don't think Vegas had a counter to the heaviness that Dallas played with. They had a counter to the skill. Um, but yeah, it looks like Dallas is going to make it. And Vegas is on the outside looking in and that creates an entire chaotic situation in Vegas that I don't think any of us can handicap what's going to happen. What is your feel on what might take place in Vegas? Should they miss the playoffs? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, and obviously, you know, that team so well, having, you know, been an analyst there for a couple of years and you understand the dynamics. It's, it is interesting um, to see the widespread joy across the NHL, not just in, you know, like certainly it's in social media. I talked to somebody the other day in an, in an executive position who the, the, the bloom is off the rose for Vegas, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, from the lovable expansion team in 17, 18, I happened to be at their very first game in Dallas, they beat, uh, I think Kari Lettinen was in goal, beat the Dallas Stars in their very first game, of course, go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, how, it has gone from that team to a team that is widely, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a disliked team. It's an You're trying not to say hated. You're really yeah. trying not to say hated. Yeah, it, it, but- and they are, and there is a healthy dose of, uh, reservation from other teams in dealing with them. Mm-hmm. I know certainly from the media aspect, it, it's, it's a team that has really fallen off the map on a, on a lot of levels. And to go to your point, for them to to miss the playoffs entirely with that lineup, and I I understand the injuries. 
Um, but you know, there's a lot of the problems are of their own making, right. Got into huge cap problems and you acquire Jack Eichel Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the trade deadline with uh, the Donoff. And even though there were lots of places where that, you know, the fact that he had a trade, uh, no trade clause that would have prevented him from going to Anaheim. I talked to somebody last night who said that that Vegas team put a lot of pressure on him to accept the trade, even though he didn't have to mm-hmm. um, the handling of the Mark Andre Fleury thing, the handling of Robin Leonard. Um, it, it's, it, it's a team. And, and to your, I am going to get to your question. You know, I don't know what happens in the off season. If, can Robin Leonard come back? I'll, I'm going to no. throw it back to you. Can Robin Leonard come back as the guy there as no. the goaltender, given everything that's happened this season? No. Nope. Well, I'm going to say it's as simple. It's as simple as this. It was either Pete DeBoer or Robin Letter, and that was two games ago. And Pete put his stake in the ground when he pulled Robin out of that game. Um, and then afterwards said he's, he's healthy, he's rested, he's got a lot of energy. And it turns out the guy needs at least one surgery and he's going to get it done. Like those, th- those comments don't jive. So to me, and, and then it's you even factor in like the fans turned on run Robin and like when Thompson went in and they gave him an overwhelming cheer, that's a bad feeling as a goalie because you know that the fans just don't support you. And and I don't see how that's tenable. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of happiness in how things have been handled there. Uh, I know that. So I'm not going to pile onto it. I think it just says a lot when Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks says before the game, Hey man, I'm getting text messages left and right from people around the league saying, beat those guys. Yep. And then he scores, flexes his muscles, plugs his ears, going by the Vegas bench. Like, I, 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 this is just, it's weird, man. So um, I, somebody's, you know, in that organization that it's not going to be status quo after missing. Things no. will happen. And, and I think a lot of it's just going to be fall out of the salary cap. They're in an absolute mess with it. They can't bring back restricted free agents at the price point they're going to have to, unless they get rid of a lot of people, Nick Wah, other people. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting there, man. Um, but I think, you know, a key point of the season we've talked about really is injuries and not just Vegas, but other teams. And now, boy, you get to these, that final week. And if you're a general manager, a coach, even the players, you're just fingers crossed. Nobody gets hurt. And look at last night's game. I mean, Panarin in, in New York. And then, you know, Andrew Kopp didn't play. He's supposed to be day to day. But he was, I think he's been the best trade deadline pickup of anybody. Cop has been awesome for the Rangers. Yeah. They need him. They need Panarin. If UC Soros is hurt in Nashville, that team's in trouble. Like they're in trouble straight up. So there's, there's kind of a lot to be worried about here, man. Like even, you know, Matthews missed games coming down the stretch. And now he he played great last night for Toronto. Got up to 60 goals, first American in forever. Well, ever. <laughs> um, but Scott, like, which of those teams do you think, like, do you think New York could really be in trouble if they're missing Panera and Cop? Has it changed the dynamic that much if they're not in the lineup? Yeah. And I got the impression I was reading um, Hall of Fame writer Larry Brooks today. Um, it did sound that it was, that I believe Gerard Gallant sort of really downplayed it after the game. It was, you know, listen, that's an important game. Uh, yeah. Carolina ends up winning. Ends up winning. We're going to talk a little bit about Carolina's goaltending, but um, Carolina ends up winning the game. Ergo, they win the Metropolitan Division. I'm not sure that's a real bonus, frankly, but anyway, they win the division. But it sounded very much 
through Larry's reporting that had this been a playoff game, both cop would have been in both cop mm. and Panarin would have been playing and Panarin could have come back into a game if it had been playoff. But, uh, um, it's, uh, uh, much more cautionary. It, it, to sure. me, it's a, it's a whole balancing thing. I remember a few weeks ago, I did a piece, you know, did it matter how you played down the stretch for teams that had locked up a playoff spot? And I remember talk, Rick talk. It's like, all you going to do is make sure you're healthy. And he said, you can't play trying to avoid injuries. I, and I, like, I totally get that idea that if you're playing cautiously, that's, off, you, that's when you get hurt sort of thing. Yeah. I, how do you, as a, as a player, I, I always want, you know, this idea of load management, this idea of resting stars. You mentioned Austin, you know, Austin Matthews could have played in those, some of those games. He didn't play. Um, Vincent Trocheck had played every game this year for the Carolina Hurricanes was, I was, was a healthy scratch technically, but basically it was okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to massage our lineup and we're mm-hmm. going to give some guys some rest before game one in Raleigh next week. So maybe it pissed off Vincent Trocek that he didn't get a chance to play all 82 games, but I totally get take a rest. Like there's no way Panarin's playing in those last two games for the Rangers. No. Is there right? Like, no, I, I'd be surprised. I mean, for me, I, I always wanted to have the full lineup if possible. I mean, and that's where you have to draw the distinction between somebody who's a little banged up and somebody you're just trying to protect. Like right. if somebody's healthy, I think you should play. I, I really think there's value in having your whole team on the ice and not just limping in, like putting out a B squad lineup. I don't like the look of that. I don't like the feel in the locker room of that. I've seen it before. I don't, it just doesn't come off as right to me. Um, But, you know, like, I bet you anything Alex Ovechkin could play if he had to right now. You know, there's another example. I missed the game last night. Um, If somebody's a little banged up, it makes all the sense in the world to keep them out. But if they're healthy, Scott, I want to see him in the lineup. To me, that's just, that's my feeling on it. Even goalies, like, you can't be afraid to lose a goalie because you don't want to go a full week without playing a game. You know, you want to be in a rhythm as a goalie. So, you you could say you're risking it, but man, you can get hurt at any time of the year, you know? Yeah. I always felt that that was, it, it is hard. You know, I go back to, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in 2006, so it, heading into the 16 playoffs, I hope my memory's right on this. Marc-Andre Fleury was already injured. And that was when Matt Murray had really sort of, you know, he'd really taken over the the net. And, um, and I think it was, it was either game 81 or 82. I think it was against Philly and Matt Murray gets nicked up and do I do own it. Can you, it's a trivia question. Remember who played game one against the New York Rangers in the playoffs? It was Jeff Zatkoff. I do believe. Well done. Well done. Comes yeah. in gets Miami the university who yeah. I have, a, even though I didn't go to Miami, I have a lot of fondness for that organization, friends yeah. that have been there. And yeah, it was Zatkoff. Yeah. But I remember people like, what, why would you play Matt Murray when you knew, you know, and of course, to your point, I think you balance. Yeah, obviously, you don't want to, you know, if you're down a goalie already, you don't want to have another one get hurt. But do you want, don't you want some continuity from the end of the season into the playoffs? Isn't that important? It is. I do believe that it is, especially even just your lines, your power play. You want to be in sync. Yeah. So I think it matters. Um, but you know what, team, we, you, you hit on it briefly there. The team that you cover, the Carolina Hurricanes, well, they're hot with a goaltender. And I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead, let you take the floor. 
to pronounce this young man's name from Russia that's in net for the Carolina Hurricanes that's now 3-0 and and has played some real nice hockey for them and a team that's picking it back up. Five straight wins for Carolina. So what are you seeing from them, Scott? Well, and this is Piotr, Piotr I think, Kochetkov. I'm not even sure if that's right, but that's pretty close. Kochetkov, is, uh, that's how we'll go with it till I am told otherwise. But that is, so this is my question for you. So Kochetkov has been outstanding he, and he lit it up in the American hockey. He's he just, did. he's, he's lit it up at the KHL, lit it up at the American hockey league level for Chicago. And now he's come in and he came in on relief in relief of Auntie Ranta and then started the last two games. He's, you know, they sweep the, the, they run the table on this uh, difficult tr- trip to New York uh, for the three New York area teams. Um, they have one game left Thursday night in Raleigh. I will be there for that uh, against the New Jersey Devils. Auntie Ronta backed up last night. Uh, it sounds like Freddie Anderson's a little bit further away. Doesn't didn't need surgery, but it sounds like he's a little bit further away. But, it, it, and obviously Auntie Ronta could have played last night. It, if you're Rod Brindamore and you're looking at this team, you're likely going to play the Boston Bruins. You're going to open at home. What's the do you give Auntie Ranta another game's rest, but now he hasn't played in a week and a half? Or does Auntie Ranta start Thursday night because you know he's going to be your game one starter? Or do you start the kid Thursday and you roll with him into game one? I I honestly don't know the answer to it because listen, Auntie Ranta's been really good. And he's, you know. The, the issue for him has always been healthy, but it sounds like it was more cramping than a yeah. physical injury. What's, what do you do? Cause I don't know that it's all, maybe it's clear cut, but it, it, to me, it, there would be a lot of discussion. You pump anti-ranta full of electrolytes and you stick them in the net. He's your guy. He's got <laughs> yeah. the experience. I love the run that the, um, the Kachekov has been on and I think it just sits as that as man, we've got an ace in the hole as our number three, if we need him. Um, cause he had like, he's ripped up the American league. He's ripped up Russia. I would have no reservations, yeah. especially man. A lot of these Russian goalies, like they're taking over the NHL. They're such good athletes, yeah. but they've got pretty good training to them. They're pretty structured when they show up. So it's Rance's net. I think he goes, especially yeah. if it was cramping. Um, but boy, that sure makes you feel more confident if you're Rod Brindamore. Yeah. And that's the big thing for me is that I don't think he has a care about goaltending. I think he is just, I think he sleeps like a baby at night with the depth that they have right now. And you cannot say that about every team in the playoffs right now, Scott. Yeah. Well, so we, that's the, so we're, I want to know if which goaltending, so we're going to have eight series, you've got 16 teams, which from a goaltending perspective, which are you most, which series or potential mm-hmm. series or which team are you like, how is how is that going to play? What's the what's that going to be like in goal? Because it's so. Listen, look look at me saying an absolute tourism. I mean, it's just so critical, right? I mean, you don't want to make you don't want to make the, the, the wrong choice. I have two series that really catch my eye, and one of them just got thrown in the blender, and that's potentially Calgary Nashville if they face. Because I really thought that Soros could be the guy to steal a series or at least make that really close. Yeah. Um, and now with him potentially being hurt, boy, that's that's scary. Um, so I really wanted to see Markstrom Soros. I was excited about that. I love both those goalies. They're 
they're great teaching goalies. Like if I want to give clips to kids to learn from, they're two of the first guys I pull from. Um, and the other one that I got my eye on is Toronto Tampa. This is elephant in the room stuff. How's Jack Campbell going to do? And I tell you, man, I, I've never met Jack. I've got a lot of mutual friends. I feel like everybody's rooting for him. Agreed. Because yeah. of his, his attitude and his, just his demeanor, like people want to see him succeed. But again, it's the big stage and everybody's got that big question mark. And you're going against Tampa, like who's just crushing teams again. Yeah. And, you know, you're going against Vasilevsky. And I really am intrigued by that series. And I really hope that Campbell can have a great series, win or lose. You know, that's what I just, I want to see him finish the year in a strong way, no matter how deep it goes. Um, Because he really had to fight, man. He had a great start. Things went to hell midway through, gets hurt. And he comes back and he's played some good hockey. So um, those are the two series that I got my eye on from a goalie perspective. Um, Scott, I bet I'm sure you have storylines galore that you've got for these other series that may be coming, that maybe catch your eye that aren't goaltending based. Yes. You know what storyline I'm going to interject with right now, though, Mike? And because I, I think an it's playoff, we, we are, we're, this is going to be, this is the best time. The, the first round of the NHL playoffs is just nothing better. Game after game, all night long. So you got to keep your uh, energy level up, which is why DoorDash, I expect, will be uh, factoring very prominently into uh, the uh, playoff watching around North America. And uh, yep. DoorDash, DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the nation network of podcasts, restaurants, and more delivered right to your door. What do you think? You guys, I, Cause you'll be at St. You'll be uh, at the blues games. I, know, I will I, I have to look now. I, I, I can't, I've lost track of who's it. Who's got home ice advantage. Blues, uh, blues and wild. And blues currently and wild. we're looking at a situation where Minnesota has home ice Yes. Uh, and it looks like it'll probably remain that way. Minnesota has two games. St. Louis has one left. They're tied in points, but Minnesota's ahead. So, yeah, um, St. Louis has the tie ba- tiebreaker and regulation wins, though. So, correct. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of a toss up. Vegas plays against St. Louis in St. Louis on Friday night, um, which could, I mean, that still could be an interesting game for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and mean? I'll be in the building. Yeah, yep. I'll be in the building for that one. Um, but I think Minnesota having home ice is this is a series where you really want it because there, there's not a lot of differentiation, differentiation between these two teams. Yeah. Point wise. Like, I think they're a little different. Vegas isn't that or St. Louis isn't that same heavy crash bang team that they were when they won the cup. They they're definitely more skilled. They're more rush oriented. They got a sick power play, but they really rely on their goaltending. I, I think Minnesota is a more well-rounded team, Yep. but I think St. Louis has the game breakers and the scoring depth. So yeah. That's what makes it intriguing to me because they, at first glance, you think, boy, they're, they're very similar. And, and I don't think they really are. I think they're kind of different teams in that way, even though Minnesota's got Caprizov and Zuccarello doing whatever they want on the ice. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think that that series is, it's going to be kind of a coming out party for some players too. Matt Boldy, Freddie Goudreau, like yeah. those guys Jordan have been Kyrou undercover. Amazing. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, you know, the, the winter classic set the stage, Scott. And now, poetically, you go to a playoff series in the first round. I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, so, I, so before we close things out here, and next week when we're because we, and when we take this next week, we're going to some of these questions 
will already be in the process of, of being in an, being answered. And I, that's the exciting part of it. How, how much the, the pressure factor, like it, there's pressure on all 16 teams, but I think it's fair to say that pressure is not equally distributed. And I, I think sometimes teams play better if there is no pressure, right? I mean, I think back yeah. to Carolina knocking off Washington in 19, first time the Canes have been in the playoffs in 10 years. I mean, like what you were playing the defending Stanley cup champs. Who ca- like who cares? You're having fun. Yeah. Like fans going crazy. And of course they not only beat the caps in double overtime in game seven, sweep the Islanders, go to an Eastern conference final. I, I think there are some teams like to me, the Rangers are maybe one of those teams this year. It's like, Hey, ahead of schedule, you know, even if you, if you, I don't think they'll lose in the first round, but even if you did, okay, is it, re, you know, that's, it's okay. Yeah. But the pressure on a team like Toronto have not won, have not won a playoff series since before the 04 05 lockout. Mitch Marner was six years old when that team won its last playoff game. And I know for some fans, it feels like that was the last time Mitch Marner scored a playoff goal. Ouch. Um, yeah. But I, I think- I, I'm curious what you feel like. I'm curious about the Florida Panthers mm, because they, this is the best team they have ever had there, but yeah, by, by a hundred miles. Well, and they haven't faced much adversity. That's where I question them. I have concerns even in goal. I mean, how can, how are Bob and Knight going to do when things get hard and they have to steal games? So um, not that I don't believe, I think they're both great goalies. I just want to see how they react. I have concerns. Um I, I think Florida feels internal pressure, no external. I think Toronto feels all the pressure in the world. Yeah. Um, I think Edmonton's actually had a ton of pressure taken off by just being where they are now. I don't feel that sense of urgency any there longer. Colorado's got crazy pressure. Yeah. Um, so it's there. It's real. Um, and, you know, like, but you even mentioned like teams playing well when you don't have pressure. And I just, quickly want to shout out the Buffalo Sabres, man. Yes. Like I know they're not in the playoff mix. We can't forget about these other clubs. They've won four straight. Their power play has been kicking at like 28%, 30% the last couple months. Tuck and Thompson look fantastic. They've got three first round picks. Like there's some hope in Buffalo, man. And I, and I really hope that that team in the next year or two can turn the corner because yeah. I think they've been fun. They've been sloppy as can be defensively. But boy, they've been fun to watch and you give a bit of experience and a couple more players and they could be there. So um, as I'm running out of battery on my computer, Scott, <laughs> I think that might, be, that might be it for this week's show. So <laughs> lots to look forward to, though. I mean, we were finishing the regular season and moving on into the Stanley Cup playoffs before we know it. I can't wait, Scott. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. We're going to do a playoff show on Monday, you'll be able to watch. I expect we'll both be part of that. And then next Wednesday, when we tape it, we're going to be right in it, my friend. But take care of that cold. Good work by you, as always. Um, and uh, really, can't, I can't wait. I'm so pumped for, for what lies ahead. So good job. Same by you. here. You as well. Fun conversation with John Scott. And we will talk next week. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and The Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.